You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. If you're listening to us a podcast, this is a new version of our podcast, and I'm excited to have you listening to the program. If you're listening to us on the live stream, that's great, too. Rob Slee, author of Time Really Is Money, is our guest. You know, we all know the phrase, Time Is Money, and according to Rob, it really, indeed, is. His latest book, Time Is Money, How to Work for $5,000 Per Hour, gives light into how you can own your time and work smarter. It shows owners how to create value within the time they have. Rob uses his experience with mentoring owners on value creation to show a connection between fun, wealth, and time. Rob, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I've been looking forward to having you on since you and I talked earlier this year. Thank you for the copy of your book. Interesting book. But before we get into the book, Tell me a little bit about your professional background. Yeah, I'm one of those people that went and got more education than what my parents thought I should have. But as long as I was paying for it, they went along. And then I went to work for a big uh, Fortune 100 company for a sort of a public company career. And I, I parachuted out of that, uh, I hate to say, more than two decades ago. And since then, I've owned, I don't know, maybe uh, 40 different mid-sized businesses. Any one time, I'll own six or eight or ten, and then I build them up and sell them and start all over again and so that's how i got here what kind of businesses did you own they're all opportunistic purchase i don't like buy businesses and pay a multiple of earnings and all that okay. all of almost all of them were corporate cast offs so a large company let's call ge or dupont has a division that they think is really small but i think everyone who's listening to this would think you know 30 or 40 or 50 billion in revenues is large and they, <laughs> they just dump these from time to time and they sell them at book value and that's when I'm a buyer. I'm not a buyer when it's a when it's a high price, but I'm a buyer when it's a low price. So, how did you first recognize that that was an opportunity to buy a good business at a great price? I've been a private investment banker for 30 years. So, when I parachuted out of Wall Street, I landed on Main Street and uh, decided, well, I got to do something to earn a living. As I was I was young at that point, and uh, started an investment banking firm with four or five other guys, and we we were doing management buyouts, advising on management buyouts, and we started to to really see, okay, who's adding value and why? And, and it's the old buy low, sell high, but it's a little bit more than that because obviously you have to operate the business and, and create the value. And that's what started getting me thinking about how everything I'd learned at MBA school and all that was technical, yes, but not helpful mm-hmm. on Main Street, especially in terms of maximizing my time. So let's talk about the inspiration for Time Really Is Money, How to Work for $5,000 Per Hour, and I'm holding a copy of the book up on the live stream if people are watching the videos on Facebook, so here it is. But um, So what was the inspiration to take the time to write this book, Rob? Yeah, I challenged the economic god six or seven years ago, and I I proclaimed to the world, because I have a a pretty large blog following around the world, I proclaimed the world that I was going to create a system that could generate at least five times market value for any firm, any size, any type of owner within a three-year period of time. And so, you know, over time, uh, so for the next five or six years after that, uh, we mentored well over 100 companies, the the management, uh, the owners, and their, their direct reports is generally who we're managing. And sure enough, we could do it just by getting them to focus on where they really add value. 
So spend all your time on where you can really add value, and it adds up quickly. It isn't one of those things that takes five or ten years like it used to. So um, how does an how does someone own their time? How does a busy business owner, you know, t- t- give us a little bit of what you've learned yeah. and what you help people with? Well, this is what we, we didn't uh, uh, expect. Well, before we offered mentoring, we would have the owner and their direct reports journal their time for the prior month. How are they spending their time? What are they doing? It was horrifying. <laughs> the owners especially were spending their time on all activities less than $100 an hour. So tactical, sort of administrative, bureaucratic, things that don't add value to a firm and, frankly, don't add much wealth to themselves. And so the owners were 80 to 90% in that. And their direct reports obviously followed that lead. So okay. uh, the direct reports were working for $20, $20 an hour tax uh, activities rather than 50 or $100 for them. And, and you knew this because you had people journal where they did their activities. Did you then, were you able then to assign a, a, an economic value to that activity? Is that is that what you're saying? Well, it turns out the market does. The market okay. did it for me. And, and this is something I didn't fully appreciate until five years ago that the market assigns value to every activity. And we all know this because we know there's a minimum wage. We know that certain, you know, the department store manager makes a certain amount per hour. Just keep going. And it turns out that Steve Jobs had an hourly rate. Uh, he did. It was $10 million an hour. And so I have a partner in one of my uh, larger businesses that has been at $10 million an hour for 15 years. And it turns out that the market assigns value for tactical activities, which, you know, most people, that's how they spend their days. But it also assigns value for strategic activities. Can you, can you give us a sense for what are those strategic activities? You're changing the world. Uh, what, what happens is when you get to 5 to $10 million an hour, you're only spending time on picking the next big world-changing fight and then uh, bringing the resources to fight that fight. Those are $10 million an hour activities. I only speak to my partner twice a year because I only it's only twice a year that I have an issue that requires a $10 million an hour person to solve. Mm-hmm. Other than that, his people that work for him and, and people like me that are partnered with him are expected to solve everything below that. But occasionally, the next big fight pops up, and it could be a large fight, and so he really needs to weigh in on those. Steve so, Jobs would have been, okay, do we go to the iPad, to the, you know, the you know the, what's the next I? Uh-huh. He was the only one to decide that. So so when you're looking at uh, and working with uh, a CEO or business owner, and you've identified these lower economic value activities, how do you convince them by giving that up, they'll actually be able to stay busy doing higher economic value activities? The people that are drawn to any sort of mentoring program are reaching out for help typically, so they self-select the whatever type of mentoring. You know, so a lot of people are mentored in different ways. So what we found was the owners that are most interested in creating wealth are the ones that are so tired of not creating wealth that they're ready to make a behavioral change. Okay. What I'm really describing here is you're going to spend 20 hours a week next week totally different than what you ever had. Now, that has to come from within. I can't force you <laughs> to spend, you know, your time differently. It has to say there has to be a buy-in because what we're doing over, it usually takes about six months, totally changing the behavior of the mentorees such that they can't go back again. They can't go back to the $30 an hour stuff if their task is to create, you know, $1,000 an hour during that period. Do you work with entrepreneurs as well? I, I Well, we did for five or six years. And what you what you find when you're doing value creation, now that I'm going to speak for the industry now because I know most people in the industry, I think. When you do value creation, the people that can really do it well, uh, 
typically find out they're better off doing it on their own account. And that's really what we've done the last couple of years. The book is to help everybody, but what I've done is gone out and started up. I've done a unicorn in the last year. I huh. started up a, more than a dozen companies, and we're using our exact same approach to mentor our managers and, and their direct reports as we did for others. But people can read the book and get everything out of it. There's no vague references in the book, so they don't have to talk to me to, to change their behavior, I don't believe, if I wrote the book well. So is this a ladder that you go on that starts out and you incrementally work up the value chain ladder? Or how, how does that work, Rob, as far as... Yeah, we call it the value ladder just because when we're, start, when we're talking about $5,000 an hour or $10 million, that's not W-2 land. That's K-1 land. It's sort of like it's value creation. So it isn't like all of a sudden, you you know, you're, you somebody's paying you $5,000 an hour. What you're doing okay. is creating that much value in an entity. So that's what we're really talking about here. Okay. And so I created the value ladder to show that the, it, the game really starts, the value creation game, at $500 an hour activities. So we would start every owner at that level, and it would totally change what they've been doing. It was night and day. It was like a light switch went off, that they were no longer allowed to get on the proverbial forklift, which is like a $20 an hour activity, and they had to get on the, the, the value proposition business model niche selection train, and that they hadn't really been spending much time doing those things. And so it, it, it was, like I said, it takes three to six months to change someone's behavior to stop thinking in terms of $50 an hour and start thinking in terms of $500 an hour as a starting point. And is it your experience that there are enough of those activities that you can identify for a business owner that is 500, 1,000, 5,000 that would keep them fully engaged in their business? Wow, you're the first person to ever ask that question. I've been waiting for this for, you know, since the book came out. It turns out that no, the higher you go up the ladder, the less hours you work. Oh my goodness. So at $500 an hour, what happened is we'd take somebody who was working six hours a week at $50 an hour, uh-huh. so to speak. And we would get them, they would maybe be working 30 hours a week at $500 an hour and maybe 20 hours a week at $5,000 an hour, and that would be the most it ever worked. And by the time you get up to well, where I am, I'm at $100,000 an hour, so I don't undertake any sort of business investment unless I can see that at the end of the rainbow. That's only maybe six or eight hours a week at most of, of selecting the next fight and how to, how to fight that fight and get the business model straight. The, the people that are at the $5 million an hour range, they, they only work in a conventional sense three or four hours a week typically. Okay. So uh, we're talking with Rob Slee, and his book is, and I'll hold it up again, um, Time Really Is Money, How to Work for $5,000 Per Hour. What is the significance of the fact that you put $5,000 on the cover of the book? Everyone can get there. What we learned was there's an economic DNA in certain people that allow them to go beyond 5,000, but that can't be mentored. There's just something in 1% of every population, not just the U.S., but China, Europe, 1% that has that, and, and it's barely hard. A lot of people have written books on this sort of concept of economic DNA. It's hard to understand where that comes from. It may have been a parent, parents who are entrepreneurs. It may have been, there's a whole lot of ingredients that go in that DNA Cuisinart, but those people can rise above $5,000 an hour. You can, everyone can be mentored. Everyone who's listening to this call can be mentored to $5,000 an hour, which is a substantial increase over probably what they're creating value now. So it's worth the, it's worth the climb up the ladder. So tell me again, because I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to learn, in addition to what you wrote in your book, kind of your mentality. And I, you, as, as I'm listening to you, I'm, remem- I'm remembering our initial conversation and this youthful energy and 
and playfulness that's in your voice, which I really find uh, engaging. Um, but but tell me, how do how do you uh, demonstrate to a business owner or an entrepreneur the the different uh, economic value of activities? Do you have a do you have a checklist? Do you have to talk to them to see the size of their business and what they work on? How does in your mentoring relationship drop? How do you how do you get them to realize? Hey, that's a fifty dollar an hour activity. Uh, because I asked them if they were going to hire this activity, how much would they pay in the market to have this activity done? Okay. And they all have to admit, if they're the least bit honest with themselves, they have to admit that, oh, geez, you're right. I'm spending 90% of my time on things that I'm already paying people to do, first of all. <laughs> Typically, they already have people that they're paying, you know, 20 or $50 an hour to do. But secondly, and so they're getting in the way, first of all, the owner is. But second of all, there's no value. Do the math. Even if you work, 3,000 hours a year, which is, you know, you're, you're putting in a lot of weekends at $50 an hour. You know, the owner didn't get into business to, you know, to be at $150,000, you know, and, and plus the business can't increase in value if that's the most the owner is going to generate. You know, they got to take out something for salary and living. And so the business starves, basically, right. starves the value creation. So I'm going to stop you right there because my engineer tells me it's time for us to take a very short commercial break. So if you're listening to us live on the stream, Critical Mass Radio Show or on OC Talk Radio, don't go anywhere. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher or one of the other podcasting platforms that we use, seriously, don't go anywhere. This is like a 60-second commercial. It's good information. I don't want you to miss what we're going to be talking about with Rob when we come back. And, and that is the actual process of moving people up the value ladder. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this single word from our sponsor. Richard Franzi is a highly sought-after keynote speaker on topics of interest to CEOs of middle firms across North America. Richard's talks include Killing Cats Leads to Rats, a fascinating look at how unintended consequences of CEOs' decisions impact their firm's performance. Your Gray Matter Matters, which explores how a CEO's mindset can differentiate a middle market firm and define its culture. Richard delivers talks to a variety of audiences, ranging from executive team retreats to keynotes in front of hundreds of CEOs. To learn more about his talks, visit criticalmassforbusiness.com and select the contact page or call 949-887-4104. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and our podcast, uh, a great way to stay informed about guests like Rob, is to sign up for our weekly newsletter. If you simply go to my website, criticalmassforbusiness.com, at the bottom of any page, let me say that again, at the bottom of any page, you'll see a mailing list box. Simply type in your email address and hit subscribe, and you will automatically, like magic, start receiving our weekly newsletter with information about our great upcoming guests, as well as a review of our previous guests' interviews. Okay, so Rob... Tell me again, what is value? What is the value creation process that you mentor and teach and write about? Yes, it's it's to whomever we're mentoring, and it would be not only the ownership group but all their direct reports to figure out what the starting point for uh, the most value they can add at the beginning. For the owners, that was always five hundred dollar an hour activities, which was far different from what they had been doing prior to our arrival. And for the direct reports, that we would generally start them out at $100 an hour activities. And then every six months to 12 months, move them up a rung of a ladder. So think okay. about the value ladder in the way you think about any ladder. Right. You've got to climb one rung at a time, 
or you fall over. And so we would move these people up one run based on how quick they were, you know, accommodating to their new sort of activities. So in the book, you talk about the nature of niches. Can you, can you, for your, for how you write about it in the book and how you view niches or niche, how do you define that? Well, I'm a nicheaholic. I start out most of my live talks, my name is Rob, and I'm a nicheaholic. And everyone, everyone who's read my stuff says, hi, Rob. I mean, it's, it's hokey as all get out. But it's really true. Well, I'm a believer that what, what globalization has done in the last 20 years to all businesses is it's driven down the size of a defensible, profitable, value-creating piece of business. It used to be, geez, you could almost have a $50 million monolithic piece of business and you could create value with it and defend it, sustainable business, year after year, annuitized sort of business. Now, because everyone shows up to the market around the world for that kind of business, it's down, 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 down. So now it's almost 2 to $3 million typically for a sustainable niche, meaning you know you get at least a five-year run out of it. Uh-huh. That's, that's probably decreasing in time and so what we do is we build amalgamations of a middle market business in my way of thinking and what we mentored and what I own myself are amalgamations of niches. So it may have 15 niches in that business each doing three to five million in sales, so to speak. And so the owner becomes sort of like a gardener <laughs> growing these niches, pruning the niches, overseeing the niches. So the owner needs to become a nicheaholic and that that's $5,000 an hour stuff. So if you say, oh, what's the owner doing at $5,000 an hour? Well, they're spending all their time overseeing the, the business models and scaling up these niches as much as you can and still get your fair share. And that, that's a kind of a full-time job if you have that many. So, Rob, when you, when you first start working with a business owner and you demonstrate to them through self-discovery how much of their time is spent on low economic value activity do they ever get frustrated at you or mad at you or yeah all the boomers opted out this was another unforeseen thing when we scaled up the mentoring program is that the the boomer owners especially the over 60 year olds they they didn't want to change their behavior to the point they wouldn't change their behavior and that was a little surprising to me because all the people that came in the program are people in desperate need of value creation, you know, to, to support their retirement, basically. So, and so they didn't have enough value in the business to support retirement. It turns out this is a human nature thing more than an economic DNA thing. If you've been doing the same thing for 20 years, <laughs> good luck. Uh, I, I'm not strong enough. You can't hold a gun to their head. It, like I said, it has to come from within. Right. Where we had uniform luck. Uh, I mean, 100% of fortune, good fortune mentoring owners is when they were under 50 years of age. They're still, they weren't so tied to the past that they could still change, especially the under 40 year olds. We, we never, never failed under a 40 year old group of people because they just, they just do what they need to do. Just tell me what to do. That was kind of the attitude and we, we would tell them. Okay. So is, uh, is that what you mean when you say in your book that we all choose our level of wealth or did you, are you talking about something else other than what we just discussed? Well, I mean, what I'm really talking about is we all choose how we're going to spend in each each and every hour of our career. You know, whether it's working for someone else or working on our own account, we still have control of only so many hours in our working life. And so if I choose, if Rob Slee chooses to only work on $100,000 hour activities, and the market grants me that for the most part, allows me to work at that level to create that much value, think how different that is than somebody who chooses to work for $30 an hour because they just never went and got the skills or the education or they didn't put themselves in, in the risk position of, of doing more than that. I mean, it, it really adds up. It only takes a couple of years to, 
to work at $100,000 an hour to, to, to far surpass what somebody would do as a career at 30000 So we're talking with Rob Slee, and we're talking about his book, and I'll hold it up again, Time Really Is Money, How to Work for $5,000 Per Hour. So when you get someone who begins to work on economic value creation for their business, does it does it ever become, when does it become hit critical mass where it, the, then they become it's self-fulfilling and, and they no longer are the student, if you will. They are now able to regenerate that energy on their own. Well, I can tell you read the book because what we would do is we would not mentor the direct reports. We would get the ownership and sometimes it'd be two or three partners, right? We would get the ownership. We would mentor them for three months and then how they would mentor their direct reports in the same program. I have this bias in life that you never really learn anything until you have to teach somebody exactly. else that thing. Right. And so by teaching them, by about three months into the program, this became a religion. It was almost like recovered alcoholism for these owners in terms of how uh, how guarded they were with their time. They realized that they just wasted 20 years of messing around <laughs> on low-value activities until now this time. And so they would reinforce. But it didn't. it not only reinforced to the direct reports that this was going to be the way the company was going to be run from now on. What ha- would happen is the direct reports after about three months of them being in the program would then respect the owner. So, you know, give the owner the 15 hours they need, you know, this week to get done. So we're all better off. So we're all climbing the ladder because, you know, part of this is you can't expect people to go from $30 an hour to $150 an hour without giving them some of that. Right? I mean, you know, it's just not fair for an owner. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's just, so, so basically, you know, there's some incentive programs tied to this. So as the people climb, they would get some of it because, you know, then it just sort of fed it again. You know, it's fed, reinforced it. Wow. So the, the tide rises all boats, raises right. all boats. That's, and, and people, you know what? If they see the bosses, you know, living it and actually speaking it, walking the talk, you know, walking and, and talk, they'll, they'll, they'll get in line because they say, hey, this could actually be good. Right. <laughs> so it is. Right. So. Two more questions here on Critical Mass Radio Show. Um, we're with Rob Slee, and we're talking about his book, Time Really Is Money. What what advice, kind of off-tangent, but you're, you're a successful published author. What advice would you give anybody who's in my audience who fancies themselves or believes that they have a book in them? What, what did you learn about writing a book through writing your books, and what advice would you give to our audience about becoming well, an author? I can cover the whole spectrum on this because I wrote two large textbooks that were published by, I think, the third largest uh, publisher in the world so john wiley and son they're they're in the top 10 anyway so so i have two textbooks behind me and then a number of popular press books that i self-published so it all depends what you're trying to do i could not self-publish a textbook and have you know a few hundred universities around the world pick it up because universities just can't go there they have to have it sort of a stamp of approval by a large publisher right. to use it in their classrooms right but a self-published book has become you know sort of the new business card basically and I already, I had a lot of ways that I could get my own book out. And so time really is money is, you know, burn the boats press, which is me. It's self-published just, uh, just like a few other Midas books. And that, that, if you have a way to distribute them and get them out so people will actually engage the book, uh, I, I actually prefer self-publishing because I don't have to answer to a publisher like I do with the textbook. And, okay, that leads me to the next question, Rob. If someone out there today says, this concept is curious, I'm showing again, see the thickness of it. It is a very approachable book relative to busy business owners, so there's not a lot of extra information. It's packed full of the information you need to know. How do they find and buy your book? 
Uh, well, it's Amazon. It's by ebook and by print by demand book because Amazon's now print by demand. So, uh-huh. so yeah, you can get it either ebook or print by demand. Has has this book met your expectations, Rob? Yes, because I sell so much overseas. Uh, I've been uh, sort of a thought leader in China for a number of years now, and a, and a large number of people view me that way there. And so, uh, the Chinese, similar to Europeans read their most of their books in English, which is the business books, which has always been curious to me. But uh, but in any event, so yeah, it has. And the U.S. has always a little disappointed me, mainly because there's just a very small percent of us, for whatever reason, that care enough about creating value in our businesses to do something about it. And that's, that's, that's alarming to me, but I'm, I'm 25 years into this whole value creation thing, and it's, that's always been disappointing to me, so nothing new about that. Right. And if someone would like to learn about you specifically and your firm, Rob, how do they find you online? Well, the timereallyismoney.com website is pretty complete. And so that would be the place. I I have a blog that a million people read a week. Uh, I write a blog each week that is on LinkedIn. So that's the Midas Nation, which is what our mentoring program is. Midas Nation, a LinkedIn blog. And so And I write stuff. (laughs) It's it's the sort of stuff that I wish somebody would have told me. So if if I can't come up with a topic like that, I just don't write. Okay. So it's usually something I wish I would have been told. And that's how you and I encountered each other was through LinkedIn, and that's that's how we ended up here on the program. So are you still accepting mentees into your mentoring program? No, but what I will do for someone is if they if they read the book and they send me an email at rob at timereallyismoney dot com. I will I will spend some time on the phone and say, look, if I was in your position, either I, A, would attack the, the, the project or company or value proposition you're looking to do or I wouldn't. And if I did, here's how I would do it. I, I spend a fair amount of my time, and I don't charge you, obviously, for that, but I spend a fair amount of my, of my time of people that engage this level of thinking. I, I want to give back, so I do. Okay. So that means if anybody on the listening to the podcast or the show buys the book, takes the time to read it, and reaches out to you, there's a willing uh, person on the other end of that, which means sure. that might even mean the host of the Critical Mass Radio Show, should he contact you, Rob? Is that what you're saying? $5,000 an hour. It's there for you. If you're not there yet, if you are there, I'll help you to fifty. Okay. <laughs> 50000 an hour. <laughs> I'll take you up on that deal, sir. All right. Okay. Well, I, I have to tell you, uh, I've been looking forward to having you on the program since we first encountered each other. You did not disappoint with your uh, with your conversation today. I feel like we just scratched the surface of what's in your book and what's in your mind. So uh, maybe some point in the future we can have you back on and uh, go a little bit deeper into some of these concepts if you're if you're up for that, Rob. Well, great. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thank you for being a friend of the program, and I uh, look forward to speaking with you in the future, my friend. Oh, thank you. All right, goodbye. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for today's show. I'd like to thank Paul Roberts, who's our engineer. Our producers are Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. Of course, I'm your host, Rick Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about the radio show and the CEO peer groups that I lead, visit our company's website, criticalmassforbusiness.com. And until the next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi.